Thank you so very much for uh, allowing my wife and I to have spent the kind of time that we got to spend with you uh, this week. I, uh, I apologize ahead of time. My wife and I were actually both a little bit under the weather, so you might be careful about shaking my hand today. <laughs> we're actually finishing. This is actually the last day of, uh, of an eight-day missions conference streak that my wife and I have been on. Uh, this uh, previous week, we were actually up in Ludington, Michigan, where uh, m- many of you might know there's actually a harbor there where you can actually take the high-speed ferry. Well, we are cheap, so we decided not to take the high-speed ferry, and uh, we uh, drove the long way down through Chicago and uh, all the way up here into Menominee Falls. We started that conference uh, Wednesday of last week. It went all the way through Sunday, and uh, on Sunday night at 9 o'clock in the evening is where we finished off that conference, got everything packed in our car, and started our trip. And my idea was to, uh, to drive through the night and, uh, and just sleep for, a, just nap for a few hours and be a part of all the morning things that you all had going on here for this conference. And, uh, and the Lord put a pause on me, <laughs> uh, making sure that I am being reasonable to not just my own body, but also my wife. And so, uh, so we, st- we spent a night in Arlington Heights, just north of Chicago, and arrived on a Monday afternoon. And you have been so kind to us uh, ever since. If some of you remember back in April, um, I uh, did a little drop-in. My, uh, my wife at the time was in a mi- uh, ladies' conference in California where our sending church is. And I just finished up a, uh, a, a meeting in Green Bay. They only had a morning and an afternoon service. I had a little bit of an evening slot, so I came down here just to drop in and visit. And every single one of you were so kind to me. And I'll never forget that. I appreciate that so very much. One thing that very much surprised me is that I got to speak Japanese uh, and have full conversations in Japanese. That is very rare for Wisconsin. That is something I did not expect. But, uh, but that really blessed my heart when I first came down here in April. And then uh, Pastor Gilmore uh, orchestrated to where my wife and I could be a part of your missions conference. And I've been looking forward to this day ever since. And uh, I'm glad I got to spend some time with many of you. Let's see, is, is Sam Valence in here? Sam Valence, where are you? There you go. And then we have Matthew Austin. Matthew Austin, where is he? Very good. How is your, how is your foot doing, by the way? It didn't hurt after that? Um, I should have. So, and then let's see, and then we also have Taylor Reigns. I got to go soul winning with these three men uh, just yesterday in the afternoon. And thank you so very much for going door knocking with, uh, with me. That was a great time. I got to know you a little bit better. And, uh, and I was really blessed by that. And then you dorm men, I get to be with you tonight again uh, for a dorm devotion. So I'm looking forward to that greatly uh, as well. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles uh, this morning to the book of uh, 1 Peter. And we're going to be starting off in chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's word if that's all right with you. 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, we're going to be starting from verse 12. Again, I'm uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, so you'll hear a lot of coughs. And, uh, and so I apologize for that ahead of time. But 1 Peter chapter 4, and uh, we're going to be starting from verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. The Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, and on your part he is glorified. 
jump down to chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, who resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called you into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I don't know a more appropriate verse to, get, to have given me such encouragement than this verse for Bible college. After that, you have suffered a while. Make you perfect. <laughs> Establish, strengthen, settle you. And obviously, you know, we, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of a humorous thought. And obviously, suffering doesn't end after Bible college. There are certain things that we have to wait out and trials that come our way. But, uh, but to me, Bible college and going through Bible college was kind of that first gauntlet, if you will, that prepared me for the gauntlet of deputation. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that verse always gave me a lot of encouragement. So this morning, I want to speak on this thought from verse 10. After that, you have suffered a while. After that, you have suffered a while. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, what an amazing God you are. Lord, you are so good to us. Each and every single one of us have heard your glorious gospel preached multiple times. And God, most every one of us in this room, hopefully every single one of us, have trusted you as our Savior. We know you, Lord. And God, not only trusted you as Savior, but each and every single one of these young men and ladies in this chapel room have committed themselves, at the very least, to come to this great Bible institute to learn how to better serve you and to better walk with you and how to be effective for the furtherance of the gospel. And we get to be surrounded by loving teachers and, and, uh, and, and people that care about us. And we get to be drawn closer to you and we get to be surrounded by, by fellow people, fellow believers that are serious about your work. God, how many people outside of these walls that don't know you would have loved to have a testimony like ours? God, uh, Thank you so very much for giving us the privilege to, to be in this position. You weren't obligated to bless our lives like this. But God, I pray that as a result of our lives, as we gain training from you, and as we become more effective gospel witnesses for you, I pray that you will be glad that you allowed us to have these blessings so that we can increase your glory and honor as we spread your name all throughout the Menominee Falls as well as around the world. May all glory be given to you. And Lord, I remember Bible college, and you used these verses to encourage me. Many discouraging times where I wanted to quit. And God, I pray that if there is anybody here that is weary, anybody here that may be discouraged, or perhaps going through just a gray area of life, I pray that you will encourage them this morning and give them the strength and the refreshment to stay faithful for many years to come. In Jesus Christ, our, our Savior, our friend, the one that rose from the dead, your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Just wanted to say one more word of, of thanks to you. You know, one missionary said that Baptists don't say lies. They only sing them. And as I was singing those hymns and as we were singing those hymns together, the faces of conviction that you were singing them with and the joy that was spread across your face. When you sing, I love to tell the story, 
I could tell that this is a room full of soul winners that sang that song just now. A room full of people that truly love to tell the story. And I thank you so very much for your sincerity. And, uh, and ever since the first time I came here in April, I, uh, I couldn't help but notice how first class everything is done in this place. From the music all the way to the big programs that you have. You are very, uh, you, you care about everything being top notch and everything being first class for the Lord's sake. And, uh, and I thank you so very much for all the time of practice, for all the effort, and for all the hard work that you put into that. As many of you know, just a year and a half ago, I sat where you sat. Just a year and a half ago, I was a Bible college student. I'm not very far from, uh, from, from where you are. Some of you students might even be older and more experienced than I am. And I preface my message with this. Uh, and, and the reason why I say these things is because I want you to understand, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I've only been on deputation for a year and five months now. I'm a recent Bible college graduate. I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't have a lot of wisdom and experiences to share with you. But one thing that I can tell you from the other end of the finish line in terms of Bible college is to encourage you by saying it's worth it. It's worth it to finish what you started. Every one of those trials, every one of those heartaches, all the homesickness, all the loneliness, all the injustices you may face, it's worth it. And, uh, and this morning, I pray that some of the things, and by sharing you, and I'll be very transparent, if you'll allow me to, of some of the experiences that I had going through Bible college, hopefully to encourage you just a little bit. There in First Peter, we see a very common theme about suffering and how it gives us the hope of glory and give us the hope of being made perfect, established, strengthened, and settled. It gives us the hope of having exceeding joy, but every time God makes a promise like that in these verses that we read, it is always, uh, it's, it's always followed after some sort of suffering. And it makes complete sense. All throughout the Bible, almost every single prophet, almost every single man or woman that was used by God went through some years of suffering, some years of hiding before they were used of the Lord. Consider Joseph. He was hid in prison. He was, he, was, uh, he, was, he was cast off into slavery by his brothers. If you count the number of years that Joseph was hid before he was greatly used of the Lord, is at the minimum 13 years, adding up all the years that he has suffered and has been hid all the years that he has been ridiculed, all the years that people thought he was dead, all the years that none of his brothers thought he would make, amount to anything, all the years that, that he was just a, just a prisoner and he was just a slave, 13 years of suffering and hiding, seeing not much fruit from the things that he did in his life. Consider Moses was hit for 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years leading a people through a desert place, uh, people that have complained about God and, and not being able to, to lead a people to where they are staying consistently in love with God. Forty years of hiding. Forty years of suffering before Moses saw victory. Consider David who was hid for a very, at the very least seven years. Just the youngest child of all his brethren. And, and, and before he got any news that he was going to be a prophet or any news that he was going to be used of the Lord in great ways, David was hid. 
just a little shepherd boy who tended for the sheep, just an average job, just an average boy. Nobody thought he would amount to anything. Nobody thought that his life would be greatly used of God. Nobody thought that he was going to be a great preacher or a great missionary. Nobody believed in him. And for many years, he was hid, and he suffered. Consider our Savior, Jesus Christ, hid for many years before people even started believing that he was the true Messiah. Hid in the grave for three days before he rose again. Three days of people thinking that God had died. Three days of many believers thinking that, well, that's it. It's over. Many people thinking that this hope that came was a letdown. Three days in the grave before he rose again and proved himself victorious over the sins of all mankind. Hid and suffered for a number of days before anything happened. Back in Bible, when I attended Bible college, during my freshman year, I had a brilliant idea to wrestle a senior. Not a great idea, by the way, freshman. <laughs> but uh, he was a man that uh, he was a man named Brett Haynes. He uh, is somebody who grew up with me in my youth group. He was actually the one that encouraged me to attend Bible college. As somebody that I looked up to as a mentor of mine. But uh, but one thing that Brett found out is that I was a black belt in karate. And he loved to wrestle. Now, I've been out of practice for many, many years. Uh, by the time, even by the time I, became, I was a freshman at Bible college. And Brett would just not leave me alone about wanting to wrestle me and wanting to at least have a match with me. And so, obviously, as every wise and smart and humble freshman would do... I went up to him and said, it's on. And so we went over to the, uh, to the gymnasium that's there at the campus. And, uh, and we found out that the, uh, that the place where the boxing ring was was closed off. And we didn't get any spotters. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, you know what? The, the boxing ring is closed down. We don't have any spotters. This is foolish. This is unsafe. Let's go ahead and back down. And obviously, as any humble and godly and wise senior would do, he looked at me and said, Chicken. And uh, <laughs> obviously, as a humble and wise and, and good freshman would do, I said, no, it's hot. And so we went ahead with it. I threw a kick, and he grabbed it, and he pulled it. And on the cement floor, my lower back hit just like that. And for the next, for the next few months... I was the hunchback of Hiles Anderson College. I walked around with an ice pack on my back, walking like this. By the way, this is the first time I met my wife, too. <laughs> what a great start. Suffering. <laughs> Self-inflicted in that case. My second year, my sophomore year, things did not get much easier. <laughs> I was... Uh, the, we, we were out on the Chicago bus routes trying to minister. It was a Saturday night. Uh, there was freezing rain that night, and you know how bad that gets. Black ice all over the road. You can't even see where the slippery parts are. And uh, after we were done with a whole day of visiting, we were preparing for a big day. And so we were out until 8, 9 o'clock at night out in Chicago, and just trying to love on people, just trying to, to, to reach people, just trying to win souls. And I was a group with a group of four other men, and we all rode in a van together, and we were all tired. So in order to decide uh, who was going to drive back that night in that terrible weather condition 
and, uh, and stay awake and alert after an entire day of visitation, like any humble group of college servants would do, we played rock, paper, scissors in order to see who would take the wheel and drive us all back to college. And I lost. <laughs> and so I got behind the wheel, and we started driving that van, and we were on our way back to Hiles Anderson dorms, and we were, we, were going through, we were going through the roads, and I was being careful about it. I, uh, I wasn't driving like the typical Japanese person, I believe it or not. And uh, I was driving, uh, you know, 5, 10 miles under the speed limit, was trying to be careful about it. But as many of you have noticed me walking in circles around the Bible college here and getting lost every second, I am not very good with directions. And so I had the person next to me navigating me, and the guy next to me, his name was Timothy Moore, speaking to his mom on the phone while he was trying to navigate me as I'm all stressed out trying to get us back to the dorms safely and then he did one of these numbers as I was driving and trying to be careful and relying on him for directions and as Timothy was over here speaking to his mom on the phone he did one of these oh oh no no that's our exit that's our exit right here right here right here and so of course I you know carefully I uh, did a lane change but when I made the lane change spun out of control the entire van started spinning and spinning and spinning. I was trying to get it back under control, spinning and spinning and spinning. And then we fell down into a ditch. One of the four men was sane enough for some reason to count how many times the van rolled. According to his account, the van rolled four times, made four 360s as we, go, as we went down that ditch. Praise the Lord, none of us died. But we were all injured. And uh, for the next uh, four months, in freshman year, I was the hunchback of Hiles Anderson. Sophomore year, I don't even know what I was. <laughs> but uh, suffering. I, uh, and then the, the driver of that, and then the owner of that vehicle told me that this is my responsibility and I would have to pay for the damage that was done. The savings that I had saved up to go through Bible college, $3,000 out of my pocket, I handed it over to the owner of that vehicle. I was working full-time at the time, student full-time, and worked 50 hours a week throughout my school days. And, uh, and I had to surrender that to him. Gave it up. Suffering. During that same year, I was roomed with five other men at the end of the, uh, of the dormitories. Uh, and the dorm that is actually named after uh, Dr. Himes's uh, grandfather, the Rice dormitories right there at Howes Anderson College. And uh, I was at the very end. And there was a young man that, that dormed with me that wasn't quite all there. You know anybody like that? <laughs> I mean, he's not diagnosed with anything serious, but he is just doesn't seem to understand like many of us others do. I, I know by the looks on your faces, you immediately thought of somebody that <laughs> like that. And I was roomed with such an individual. And one night after a hard day of work, again, I worked 50 hours a week, 10 hours every school day, went to school from, from 8 all the way to 1, and went to, went to work from 1.30 all the way to midnight sometimes. And, uh, and I got home. I was tired. I was ready to go to bed. And then I hear a commotion going on in my room. I hear footsteps and running, and I hear a whole bunch of people just running in the room and screaming. I'm thinking, wow, I hate to be the guy that was in that dorm. And I kept walking, and the sound just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And I found out that it was my room. 
Five, uh, the, that room had ten college men running around trying to capture a chipmunk that this individual has let in to our room, <laughs> suffering. <laughs> For the next two weeks, they, I didn't get, I hardly got any sleep. The chipmunk finally was captured after a while. But I didn't get any sleep and didn't get much studying done throughout those months. And obviously, it's funny looking back, but to a college student who was trying to study, who was trying to work hard, who was trying to get God's work done, and who was trying to get everything accomplished, it wasn't funny. It was very hard for me. And then later on that same year, I uh, walked in the dorms again, and I got to my little space in, with my desk, my study space, and I saw that all my books were gone. And I'm thinking, what in the world is, is all my, are all my books gone? So I peeked outside of my little desk area inside that room, and I found that that same individual that let the chipmunk in had built a tower of my books going from the table all the way to the ceiling. And he is just sitting there smirking and just laughing at his own accomplishments. And I ask him to grab that book that I needed, and so he pulls it. So, so I, I, I tell him, so, so, so get it for me. And he goes, oh, okay, and he pulls out that book. It all comes crashing down, of course. Suffering. <laughs> Things got more serious that second year of my sophomore year. Obviously, I was saved, and I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed serving the Lord. But there are some things that I carried with me. There are some things that I still struggled with. And one of those things, very common to my people, were suicidal thoughts. I knew that I had to get it dealt with. And I knew that I had to get victory over it, especially if I'm going to a land that is so plagued with suicidal people. If I'm going to help them get victory over it, then I needed victory over it. All these bad suicidal thoughts and depressing thoughts that came through my mind. One day, uh, during my days there, I sought out a counselor to deal with this issue. The next morning, I got a knock on my door at 7 o'clock in the morning by my dorm supervisor came up to me and told me I had 24 hours to pack up my things and leave the dorms. Obviously, as a man with suicidal thoughts, I was a liability to the dorms. Things could have happened. And within 24 hours, I packed up my things. I told my parents about it. They didn't really care because suicide is so common in Japan. And heartbroken, what I did was I moved across the street. There are some apartments there that were cheap. And there were some other dropouts living in those, in, those, in those apartments. I lived with another dropout for the next semester, suffering. For that entire semester, all my friends thought I committed something immoral. All my friends left me. Nobody tried to contact me. Nobody tried to reach out to me. I didn't get a single letter. I didn't get a single text. Not a single phone call. But that semester, I was alone, suicidal, Depressed, across the streets from the dorms, looking at the place that I'm supposed to be, that I came to to get God's training. Just looking over yonder and questioning, what have I done? How am I supposed to get victory? But it was during that same semester that I got to know God on a personal level. I had nobody else around me that I could count on but the word of God itself. I had nowhere else to go but down to my knees, getting a hold of God and getting a dose of his encouragement and reading scripture and getting to know God intimately. And it was during that semester that I really got a hold of God 
and that God took care. I didn't need any, and I got some counseling. I went across and tried to do everything I could. The, 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 the people there at that Bible college told me that I wouldn't be able to return for a minimum of two years. But they saw what God did inside my heart during that little semester of studying the Bible and getting a hold of God and, and letting him fix my problem. And, uh, and at the end of the semester, I was readmitted into that Bible college. At the same time that happened is when my wife and I started dating. At the same time that that happened was when I got a call from Christian Radio International saying, Brother Go, I have an opportunity for you. I want to fly you down to our, to, our, uh, to, our, to our place in Georgia and record Japanese sermons to stream on Japanese live television. I want you to fly down and preach gospel messages to be broadcasted all over Japan. At that time, I was able, I had the opportunity of recording 42 sermons in Japanese that are still airing in Japanese television, preaching the gospel and discipleship lessons and trying to get the gospel out there to Japan before I get there. And then at the end of my junior year, beginning of my senior year, I unpacked all my things. Everything was in my dorm room. Everything was all set to go. And for some reason, I believed that the Spirit of God was moving inside my heart that this is not where I was supposed to to finish my training. Now, that didn't make any sense to me. At the time, my wife and I, we were already engaged. We were already prepared for our long-distance long, long engagement. My wife had already graduated at the time, was serving at her home church in California. But all my groomsmen were there at that college, and I was just given a brand-new bus route, uh, and I just recruited an amazing worker that would go with me. And it didn't make sense to me, so I contacted my home pastor, and he gave me the go-ahead. And so what I did was, it didn't make any sense to me, I just made my whole down payment for the entire year, and, uh, and it didn't make sense to me, but what I did was, just by faith, I, uh, I, I packed up my things, went to all my staff members, and, uh, and, and left that college and started attending Pacific Baptist Bible College in Long Beach, California. Now, in hindsight, one of the reasons why I needed to do that is because by the time I was a junior there at that college, I was only a Baptist by convenience and not by conviction. And I didn't come from a good Christian home. I didn't go through Christian school. And so I wasn't given too many lessons on Baptist history. And so I needed to know who I was before I graduated to top off my training, as well as at that college, it's a very tiny Bible college, but every staff member have been on the mission field one way or the other. And I really needed to get that firsthand experience just talking to men that have seen the darkness. But at the time, it didn't make any sense to me or, once again, any of my friends or any of those people that claimed to have faith in me and believe in me. Once again, I got accusations about committing something immoral. Oh, another dropout. Oh, he must have gotten discouraged and dropped out like all the else, all the others. Here we go. Another one bites the dust. Go is, is gone from the ministry. Nobody believed in me. Nobody thought, nobody thought that I was, I was doing the right thing and trying to follow the will of God with my life. But now, I have graduated Bible college a year and five months ago. I'm now married to my beautiful wife on full-time deputation. Two weeks before we got married, we both quit our full-time jobs. We thoroughly believed that God wanted us to just step out by faith and start making our steps to, to, to reach Japan with the gospel. And many people thought that was a foolish decision, but my pastor was behind me, and, and so were my in-laws, and so were some of my other spiritual authorities. So we went ahead and went through with it. 
got married, came back from my honeymoon, and started a full-time deputation. During our first three months, we were giving more to missions than we were getting from churches. Our bank was getting drawn quickly. We had no meetings on our calendar. I was calling frantically, and, uh, and I, we, we had nothing coming into our bank, just a few thousand dollars there, and that was it. Fourth month, what we could possibly give as our tithe was still lower than what we were giving uh, for, for what we committed to give to missions. We were not making very much. Our bank was getting drained. It didn't look like we were going to last out there. But that's that month that God poured in some money into our bank. And I say it that way because some $1,000 checks was deposited in there. I still have no idea where it came from. I called the bank, made sure it wasn't a mistake. Nope, God gave me that money. He took care of us. And now a year and five months later, we are 55% there financially. Our whole calendar is booked until June 2020. I had to turn down five meetings this week from, church, from pastors that wanted to have us in because our calendar was so full. And we are praying that God will get us there by next summer. Faith. But none of that could have happened in hindsight without that suffering, you see. I wouldn't have known how to place my faith in God and get a hold of God that way unless the things that happened in my life had transpired the way that they did. And so, let me tell you, through all the suffering that you may be going through, the homesickness, the, the hard work, the fatigue, the, the, all the pressures of a Bible college student, financial pressures, educational pressures, through all of that, and through coming from a man that just was in your seat a year and a half ago, and coming from a man that, that had suffered many things throughout Bible college, from the other side of the finish line to those of you who, who are still going at it, let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. God's will is worth it. God's glory is worth it. Reaching people for Christ is worth it. It is worth all those sufferings. I don't have very much time, but very quickly... I want to go over three applications of this. It is worth it, first of all, because rejoicing comes after suffering. We read those verses already in 1 Peter chapter 5. God gives us great promises that this rejoicing will come. Uh, we don't have time to turn back there, but if you remember, Joseph, while he was in prison, God gave Joseph a dream that, 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 that this great glory, and he was going to use him in a great way after his time of suffering in jail. God encouraged uh, Joseph through a dream, saying, Joseph, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't give up on me. I have, I have a plan for you. You won't be in this jail forever. Just trust me on this. And rest assured, you're not going to be here forever. Where you are in life, it won't be forever. That suffering that you may be going through, that homesickness, it won't be forever. No, rejoicing comes after suffering. You work hard. You finish what you started. You work hard in your classes. You, you, uh, you, you work hard in your ministry. You fall in love with these teachers, and you fall in love with God during your Bible college years. It's worth it because rejoicing comes after suffering. But let me also encourage you with this. It is worth it because rejoicing comes during the suffering. God gives special care for those who suffer for his name's sake. We read these verses as well, but in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. If ye be reproached for the names of name of Christ, happy are ye. Present tense. It doesn't say if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy you will be. 
It says, happy are ye. Why? For the Spirit of God and, and, the, and the spirit, of, uh, spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And on their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. God will give you special peace and joy inside your hearts. For as you suffer, you're making Christ real in your life. And you're making God real. After a while on deputation by faith, I found out very quickly that God makes himself real to those that make him real. Those that mean it when you say you believe in God. Those that actually believe that God still has that Red Sea splitting power in this day and age. Those that actually believe that he is still alive and real and well. Those that actually believe that he is still a miracle working, a revival sparking God. Those that actually believe in those things. Those are to whom God shows his miracles. And God shows great things too. And you will learn as you go through suffering and you rejoice at the same time how real God is through your sufferings. But consider this, final application. It's worth it because rejoicing comes because of someone else's suffering. Every single one of you get to enjoy the education that you do because somebody before you suffered. Because somebody before you worked hard and prayed hard for this college to happen. You are all here and blessed with the education and the messages that you get because great men and ladies of God have invested sacrificially to make this Baptist College of Ministry happen. Consider your salvation. Consider your position with God as his child. You enjoy that because our God of gods suffered. Because our creator was being willing to be spat on the face by his own creation. Because the one that is worth all glory and honor was stripped naked, was willing to be humiliated publicly so that we could have our salvation. Because the Son of God was willing to face rejection from God as he became sin on the cross so that we would never have to have that rejection from our God. Consider Christ's sufferings. And as you suffer, and as you endure through Bible college, you remember this. Suffering comes after, I'm, I'm sorry, rejoicing comes after suffering. And God will give you rejoicing during your suffering. And rejoicing comes because of someone's suffering. Let me ask you this. Who is going to rejoice because you decided to suffer? Or who is going to suffer because you decided to rejoice? In your sins? In your unfaithfulness? Dropping out because of emotions? Many souls will suffer because of that terrible decision. But who will rejoice? How many souls will be reaped? How many nations will be reached from this room? How many souls will be touched by your lives? How many lives will be changed? Because you decided to suffer for a little while. God can do an amazing thing with your lives. Don't quit. Don't give up. It's worth it. All heads bowed. All eyes closed.